Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. So I'm mixing it up tonight. We're bringing out the whiteboard. A couple weeks ago, I shared with you a question that completely rocked me. And it was while I was sitting in church and I was really wrestling through whether or not to continue in my faith. I just finished a year of Bible college and I had a lot of questions and I was upset about a lot of things. Just more so the hypocrisy. But what got me into that was this feeling that youth ministry was where I needed to be. But after the year, I kind of questioned things. I left Bible college. I didn't re-enroll. And that fall, I was sitting there, and I was listening to this pastor, and he said, if your relationship with Jesus is stagnant, it's not moving anywhere, go back to the last thing God asked you to do and do it. And right away, it hit me like a ton of bricks, youth ministry. But it scared the bejeebers out of me. So I didn't go into it for the next four years. My testimony is that God grabbed a hold of me on January 1st, 2007. This happened in the fall of 2003. And I tried to do my own thing. But the night that I encountered Jesus and I had this experience, I knew what I had to do. And it was youth ministry. And that's what took me out to BC to finish off a Christianity and culture degree, and then eventually going into youth ministry. And tonight, we're doing this series called Life is Better Together, and we're going to be asking the question throughout this series, what's holding you back? Or better yet, what's the last thing God asked you to do that perhaps you haven't done? So just sit with that for a moment and let it sink in. Or perhaps if you're anything like me, you automatically know. That's a big dragonfly. <laughs> but let me encourage you to investigate whatever it is that's on your heart. Or perhaps there's, there's nothing and, and things are going well. But just be open to what God might be wanting to say to you, speak to you or how we might even want to move you throughout this series. Because what I've learned time and time, time and time again is what's usually holding me back is me. It's my own fears, my own doubts, my own insecurities. It's me. But, sorry, I, I'm sorry for the dragonfly. It's, <laughs> I guess that's the, the downside of leaving the doors open. But... Uh, but I, I want you to just open yourself up to the possibility of God moving. Open yourself to the possibility of taking the next step of faith, wherever you might be in your faith journey. And the reason I keep saying open yourself up to it is sometimes I feel like we approach these things and we've already made up our minds and we're closed off and we're just, we're already tight and guarded. So then we're expecting God to do things, we're expecting God to show up. And we're then kind of disgruntled when he's not. And it's because we're closed off. But if we can actually open ourselves up, I believe that God might want to be, be waiting and wanting to just flood our lives with blessing. And I don't mean this in a health and wealth, prosperity gospel. I just mean that God has so much in store for us. And he wants the best for our lives. Life is better together. So with any relationship, there's growth. 
there's progress, there's development, there's, there's a deepening as you get to know one another. When I first met my wife, Amanda, there was this instant attraction, and then there was something that I just wanted to know more about. So I asked my friends, what's this girl's name? And, and eventually I got talking to her, and we added each other on Facebook and began our relationship through Facebook Messenger. And, and then from there, it moved to phone calls. And then we actually started going for walks and having these long conversations. And then from there, we w started dating, got engaged, and eventually took the step of commitment and got married. There's a progress. There's a, a forward movement. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with marriage. Marriage is actually just the beginning. It's not the goal. It's not the destination. I actually read a great quote by David Fitch recently, and he says, marriage isn't about falling in love. It's about learning to love. And I love that because you, you, there's that feeling of falling in love initially, but man, after 10 years of marriage, what I know now, if I had known then, it, it would have completely, um, this is putting me in the doghouse. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, where am I going with that thought? It, it's different. <laughs> but you learn to love. And I believe the same is true in our, in our relationship with Jesus. After we encounter Jesus, after we make that commitment to Jesus and accept Jesus, the person and the teachings of Jesus, we grow and we deepen in our understanding of who he is and how we can love him and others more fully because the life that he offers us, he says, I've come to, to give you life and life to the full. So that's why our mission is to make Jesus known so that lives and communities will be transformed. That's the mission of the Well Community Church, to make Jesus known. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. And our vision to see this happen is actually the four words. We have connect, grow, give, and go. And we've actually done a series on these four words in the past. You can pull them up online if you want to. But what I want to look at in this series isn't so much what each of these words mean. I want to look at the transition from one to the next. And how do we get there? And what's holding us back? Another way that you could look at this too, it's kind of, as Alex mentioned, the first one is unbelief. The second one is new believer. Then we have a growing believer and ultimately mature believer. Because you see, to connect with us, you don't have to believe anything we believe. We want to connect with you. We love you. We want to we build a relationship with you. We just want to connect with you for, for who you are. But... The connection we're also talking about isn't just us, isn't just the relationships here. Ultimately, we're not hiding it. We want to make Jesus known, and we want to connect you to Jesus. So this first transition I want to look at is to move us from unbelief to actually connecting with God as a new believer. And then we're going to be looking at, okay, once we're a new believer and we've made this commitment, how then 
What's the next step we need to take? Next week, in fact, we're going to be talking about baptism. And while this first step might be kind of the commitment, kind of the marriage, baptism is just a symbol. It's like the wedding ring. It's the symbol of that commitment. And I'm terrified to even share this, but I'm going to because uh, I'm telling you guys to go out on a limb and open yourselves up. God's put it on my heart to have a baptism service soon. I have no one lined up for it. That's what terrifies me. No one said, hey, Kev, I want to be baptized. But in two weeks, so October 5th, I'm already working with a couple other portable churches because our sponsor church is having a baptism service on Sunday, so we can't use their tub. But we're going to have a tub in here, and we're just going to open it up because I believe that there's some people that God is speaking to that need to take the step of baptism. But then we're also going to be looking at the joy of giving and the joy of serving. And then ultimately, we get to this mature Christian. Now, for those of you who might be like, yep, I'm there, I've gone through this, this is actually probably the hardest part. This is kind of the cushy spot. This is, you're in the lazy boy. You've kind of done a lot of the hard work, you've had a lot of ups and downs, and you're kind of like riding things out, and you're like, this is sweet. But where it's challenging is I think, I believe that our call is to go full circle and move out of our comfort zone and connect with people who don't yet know Jesus. And that's what's tough because as you continue to grow, as, as things continue to solidify and you're comfortable where you are, it's hard to then pick up everything you've known and start a church plant here in Binbrook. But I thank you for those who took the risk to connect so that we can help people connect with Jesus. So that's kind of a visual of what I'm wanting to go through throughout this series. So tonight, I want to start off with this first, connecting with Jesus. Have you connected and given your life to Jesus? And if you're sitting here tonight thinking, yep, that was a while ago, it's all right. This message is still for you. Don't, don't tune me out. We all have areas of our life that I think we wrestle with unbelief. We talked about that in our spring series on gospel fluency. I think there's just areas that over time we, we begin kind of piling on some of the baggage again. And we think that we have to work our way to God. But that's not it. And for those of you who might be thinking, yeah, I'm still not struggling with that either. Where we need your help is to continue to pray for the people who are in this place, to continue to be available to connect with people who don't yet know Jesus. So this message tonight even just, it might give you kind of a framework to walk with people into a committed relationship with Jesus. And one thing that I, I wrestle with, and I've been nervous all week about giving this message, I don't like the way we've packaged Christianity or Jesus in recent years. The way that I grew up with it being presented has left a sour taste in my mouth. And it's not that it didn't benefit me at all. It, it brought me eventually to where I am today. But it's not just this one-stop shop. It's not just this... this just say the prayer, get your fire insurance, and you're good. 
It's a daily surrendering to Christ, allowing him to be the king of your life. So if you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, I made this decision so long ago and it's so elementary for me, allow God to continue to speak into your life and ask him where he's leading you now or show you areas of unbelief that you continue need to, continually need to surrender back to him. So I have a few qualifications that I, w- I want to go through just before I go through the, uh, the model of sharing the gospel I'm going to. The first qualification is that this is just one way of sharing the gospel. It's not a perfect way by any means, but it's simple, it's visual, and it can be shared easily. The second qualification is that it's not the full gospel. The gospel, the good news, is so much bigger than just becoming a Christian and having your sins forgiven. What we're talking about tonight, imagine this whole whiteboard is the gospel. We're talking about if there's a flashlight and you get a glimpse over here. We're, we're looking at one aspect of the, the gospel. And in fact, the full gospel message that we celebrate in Alliance churches is that Jesus is not only our Savior, He's our sanctifier, He's our healer, and He's our coming King. So the third qualification is that we've got to realize people come to faith in many tiny little steps. And it's not always perfectly connect, grow, give, go with your four stops. I grew up in a fairly straightforward pattern with a Christian family, but when I went through those years from like 18 to 24, it was just a mess before I came out on the other side. So be faithful to where God's calling you, the, the friends and the people he's put in your life who are, who are searching, who have maybe accepted Jesus at one point and are just searching yet again. What we want to do is help people move closer to Jesus. They don't always accept the full thing the very first time they hear about him. But if we can move someone from point B to point B, er, point B to point B, point B to point C, and move them closer to Christ, that's what we want. And then we can allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct and lead people toward Jesus. So I want to go back to the very beginning And that's Genesis 1 and 2. Because another thing that I grew up with is that a lot of people like to start in Genesis 3, where you're sinful, you're a sinner, you're an abomination to God, and you need to be saved. That's usually how things are presented in a pretty hardcore setting. But Genesis 1 and 2 tells us that God created human beings in his image. He designed us to live in an intimate relationship with him. And it was this perfect place where where God and humans had had this perfect relationship. And they walked with God, and they, they talked with God, and so we'll put God here. And this relationship was defined by love. And you've probably heard the most famous verse, John 3:16, "For God so loved the world." This is why we were made. God thought you up one day and created you to have a close, intimate, loving relationship with Him. God created us to be with Him and to be like Him. We we're created in His image. We we're created to be good. And, and when He created both male and female, He, he, he said that it was very good. But then something happened that separated us from the intimacy with God. 
And this is where we now come to Genesis 3, which is the separation of sin. But the thing is, usually when you ask people to come up with words to describe who God is, they'll come up with words like love, good, perfect. Then if you ask people to come up with words to describe people, from what we've learned so far, you might say nice, but then you might say selfish, might have just plain old messed up. <laughs> so even though we have this, this DNA, this inherent goodness in us, there, there's this separation and you can see that who we are and who God is, there's this disconnect. The Bible uses the word sin to describe this disconnect. Now, I'm going to draw a suitcase around the word sin because there's a lot of baggage that also comes with this word. But at the end of the day, Romans, 6, or Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So unfortunately, all of us have sinned, but we need to pull back the layers and talk about sin for a quick moment. Sin is anything we do to disrupt the peace and harmony that God desires for the world. So here's the problem with how a lot of people understand sin. It's, it's understood primarily in terms of breaking or violating or disobeying, and there's no larger context or place to put it in. There's whatever you did or there's whatever you didn't do. And then there's God's anger and wrath and displeasure with you. But when you place it in the larger context of the good, the peace, the shalom that God wants for the world and that we all want for the world that's embedded in us and part of our DNA, then it starts to make more sense. Of course I'm guilty of disrupting shalom. Of course I've flipped that guy off on the road the other day. Of course I got upset. Of course I gossiped. It's, the list can go on and that was just my week. Who wouldn't own up to the fact that, yeah, putting that in the context of disrupting the peace and shalom is sin? Then, yeah, we've all sinned. So it's not just some of us. It's not just the people who've done terrible things who show up on the 6 o'clock news. It's all of us. So as a result, Romans 6.23 then tells us that the wages of sin is death. And this isn't just a physical death. But more so, it's a spiritual death. It's, a, it's this disconnect between us and God. It's this break in relationship and this separation between us and our creator, the God who created us and designed us to be with him. Are you tracking with me? <laughs> so our sin creates this huge rift between us and God. And if I did something to hurt you, it would put a rift between us. It, there would be hurt. There would be pain. It would be awkwardness. And in the same way, the things we've done to participate in this disruption has created a rift between us and God. But it's this huge valley. 
And it's not just this small thing that we can jump over. It's more like the Grand Canyon, this rift, that we can't easily jump over. You can even ask people who don't believe in Jesus if they feel like there's things missing or not fully right in their lives, in their souls, in the world. When you see the brokenness happen in our world and, and violence due to, due to guns and all sorts of things, people, you, you just have the sense that things aren't right, things aren't as they should be. And that's, again, embedded with us because we're created for this peace and for this shalom and for love. And that's where the futility of works, it's just we try and we try to fill it with perhaps religion. We try and do religious works. We try and do nice things. We rake our neighbor's lawn. We walk people across the street. We work harder and harder trying to, to have enough church services or, or perhaps even give enough money. But let's be honest. If we honestly think we try to improve ourselves, God will accept us. Or if we try and, try and work harder than, and to be good, perhaps if we do these things, then, then that's what's going to make God accept us. That's not even how we work with our own kids. If your child does something to hurt you and comes up to you and says, look, I hurt you, Dad. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm going to clean my room so you'll love me again. You might appreciate him cleaning your room, but that's not what's earning your love. Our love is free of charge, and that's the way it is with God, too. You can't buy his forgiveness through moral deeds, from doing, doing better. All you can do is ask for his forgiveness because it's a free gift. And other people think that if you do a really good job through being religious, you go to church twice a week, then that's going to get you closer. Now, God does love when we worship him, when we serve him, but that's not how we enter into his love. Again, if our, if our child's trying to buy our, our love and saying, hey, dad, sorry for that. Here's 20 bucks. That's not going to make us love them any more or any less. Our love isn't for sale and neither is God's. He offers it free of charge. All we have to do is receive it. So if we're designed for this perfect, intimate relationship with our creator, but there's this rift between us that our works, that our religious activities, that our money aren't going to solve, then we need a different solution. And that's God's solution of grace that Alex talked about earlier. This is where God offers us his grace, this free and undeserved gift of God, right? We've broken the relationship. We've disrupted shalom, but he makes it right, even though we don't deserve it. I remember one day with Landon, he just wasn't doing anything right, and I was just getting so frustrated, and he thought, oh man, dad's coming, I'm going to get it. And I just remember coming into his room, and I was going to let him have it, and I just thought, you know what, I just need to sit down and just remind this kid that he's loved. So I go into his room, and I sit down with him, and I just love him. I just hear him out. And do you know what it's called when you withhold punishment that someone deserves? 
It's mercy. But there's more to the story because not only didn't I punish him, but as a way of just understanding how God deals with us, I took him out to McDonald's for ice cream. I said, let's go out. We need some fresh air. We went out for ice cream. And do you know what you call it when you give the person mercy and then you give them a reward they don't deserve? It's grace. Mercy is when you don't punish someone that, when they deserve the punishment. Grace is even more amazing. It's when you give the person this gift that they didn't even work for, they don't deserve, that never should have been given. And that's God's solution for bringing us back into a loving relationship with us. He gives us this free gift of grace. It's not works where it's all about what you do for God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. One day C.S. Lewis was asked, what's the difference between Christianity and every other religion? He said, that's an easy one. It's grace. Every other religion is about doing works to earn God's approval. Christianity is about accepting God's free gift of grace. And this is then where we have the hope of Jesus. This is why our vision and our mission is to make Jesus known. Because God's solution to bring us into a close, loving relationship with him is by showing us who we are through his son, Jesus. This is important. Your primary identity, your true self, is found in who you are in Christ, not in the ways you've disrupted shalom. In the Bible, people are taught first who they are, because the more you know about who you are, the more you'll know what to do. And this is why some sermons can be so soul-sucking, because they're not an announcement about who you are in Christ. They're an announcement of who you're not. They're an announcement of more who you are in your sin. They're boring and lifeless and produce all kinds of despair, even though they quote Bible verses all over. They mistakenly teach you that your identity is found in your sin, and it's not. It's found in Jesus who has taken care of your sins. In the Bible, there's only one type of sin, the kind that God has forgiven in Jesus. There's no other kind. So we do what we can to make amends with people we've sinned against, trusting that the only kind of sin there is is forgiven sin. But in the Bible, sin is the middle word about you. The first word is that you're created in the image of God. You're crowned with glory and honor, a child of the divine. That's who you are. The second word is the honest, unvarnished truth about how we all fall short. We all sin. We all disrupt the shalom that God intends for all things. The third word is the continual insistence that the last word hasn't been spoken about you or your sin. That all sins have been forgiven in Christ that we are loved and restored and reconciled and renewed and redeemed. That's what the writers come back to again and again and again. And that is the hope of Jesus. The Christian faith says that Jesus is God's free gift of grace to the world. See, God loves us too much to leave us over here. So he sends us 
Jesus. And he came and he died on the cross on our behalf for our sins. And because he was human, he was able to die in our place. He was able to pay the debt that we owed. And because he was sinless, he was able to take on the sins of the world and our sin to cancel that out. You see, Jesus is our Savior. This is why. This is why we celebrate him, because it's through him that this gap is filled, that this rift between us and God is put at peace. But there's one thing that's still off with this diagram. We have God, we have humans, we have sin and death, we have Jesus. But it's the fact that the person's still over there. The way you cross over from life, or from death into life, is by taking that first step of faith. By, by placing your trust in Jesus. And you might just have a little bit of faith, but are you moving toward him? Are, are you putting even just what little faith you can muster in the person of Jesus? This is where we invite Jesus into our lives, into, into our hearts, and we, we follow his, his teachings and, and his, his life and we receive the, the free gift of forgiveness. And in fact, this step of faith can be broken down into to three simple words. And while I hope it's simple, I hope it's not simplistic, but just ABC, whereas you just admit that, yeah, I'm a sinner. I, I've disrupted the peace and the shalom that God desires for the world. B, you believe in Jesus say, you know what? I believe that you're Lord, that you're King, that, that there's this new world and kingdom that you're ushering in and inviting me to participate in. I believe that you're my Lord and Savior, that you, you lived, you died, you rose again. And then see, you commit to following Jesus daily. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's a promise. So let me ask, where do you think you are on this diagram? I've given the Coles Notes version of the Bible's message, but you have a number of options. Because some might say, you know what? You guys are crazy. I'm out of here. You take off that way. You know what? If that's what you choose, we respect that. I, I still hope that you'll stay in relationship with us and we can be friends, but I don't know what else I, I can offer you because that, that's not where I'm at. Uh, other people, you might be right here and you just have questions. You're like, that's a lot to take in and I don't know where I'm at with any of this. You know what? I hope that if that's where you are, that you will continue to investigate it, that, that we can get a Bible in your hands, that read through the Gospel of John, meet with me over coffee, and, and let me try and help you walk through any of the questions you have. 
Or you might be saying, no, I need to take this step. It might be scaring the bejeebers out of me, but I know this is what I need to do. This is what's been holding me back. And others of you, well, you might already be over here. And we need you too to be praying for these people. We need you to be, be the ones connecting and coming alongside. If they're running the other way, loving them, extending grace. If they're here questioning things, to walk with them in their questions. But I want to take a moment right now to ask where you, you think you might be on this map. Maybe you've, you've even accepted Jesus years ago, but you're just you're struggling. There's new questions that have come up, doubts that you have. Do you need to surrender your life back to Jesus? So let's just take a moment now just to close in prayer. So if you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. and Let me offer up a, a simple prayer. And it's not so much the words that make the difference, but it's the, it's the state of our hearts. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this free gift that we don't deserve. We've done so much to widen the rift between us. And we try time and time again to do things on our own. But God, you're just there offering us forgiveness and mercy and love. So, Father, if there's anyone here tonight that needs to make this step of faith and put their faith in Jesus, whether it's for the first time or 30th time or however many, God, I pray tonight that you give us the, the faith and the boldness to take that next step. So if you'd like to follow along praying with me, just, God, I admit that I've sinned, that I've disrupted the peace and the harmony that you desire for this world. And then just listen and see if God brings anything to your mind of any particular sins that you've been carrying or feel bad about. God, we give these to you and we lay them at your feet. And God, we just want to put our faith in you. We believe in who you are, who you said to be, that you are the Son of God, that you lived, that you died, and that you were raised to life again. Thank you for making it possible to be in an intimate relationship with you through Jesus' death on the cross. And finally, we commit our lives to following you, Jesus, to getting to know you more, to loving you and serving you all of our days. God, we look forward to developing this close relationship with you for the rest of our lives. while heads are still bowed, eyes are closed, I'm just going to ask if you've made a commitment to follow Christ tonight, to, to just raise your hand and acknowledge. Or even if you've just made a commitment to recommit your life to Christ.
things. Now, I want to try something while our heads are still bowed and eyes closed. And it's a little tricky in a large group setting, but sometimes we bring people to this moment of, of faith, but then we don't actually let them experience Jesus. So for those of you that have invited Jesus into your life for the first time, perhaps made a recommitment, Jesus is here. He's with you by his spirit. So let's get to know him more. So in the quietness of this moment, take a minute to just listen to Jesus. Lord, will you help us hear from you? I believe that God has made every Christian into a temple of the Holy Spirit where he wants to meet with us. So Lord, will you show us with the eyes of our heart a place where we can meet with you to hear your voice and see your face? God, bring words or pictures or thoughts to our mind. What do you want to say to us? And if you don't see anything, that's okay. Maybe ask God if there's any barriers or things that you just need to let go of and give over to him. Confess and ask for forgiveness. Jesus, will you please pour out your love into our hearts? Wash us with wave after wave of your love. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. And whatever we've been carrying on our own, including any traumatic experiences we've endured, may we give them to you, Jesus, as we receive your gift of your Spirit's fullness and as we receive the new life you offer. Jesus, breathe your Spirit into us. Amen. Whew, how are you doing? That was a lot. But for those of you who've made a commitment, um, feel free to write it on your connection card, uh, put it in the offering bucket, talk to myself, talk to another trusted person here. Because we just want to celebrate with you, journey with you, pray with you. So I encourage you to do that. It's amazing when we invite God to show up.